Hello, and welcome to episode 77 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today by Misha Bokikio. Hello! And Julia Childs, apparently. <laughs> and a phone, apparently. <laughs> Would you every mind time. putting that on Do every Not Disturb? <laughs> We're wrecking these intros every time. I know. Ah, screw it. Let's keep going. And Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Melissa Kavanaugh. Hello! This <laughs> two Julia Childs is, is... Hey, it's episode 77. I'm excited. Do you know why? Why? That is not only the year that Pete and I were born. Ooh. Not together. We're not twins or anything. Uh, but it's also the year that Star Wars was launched. Mm. Mm. So two, two of the most important things mm. in the world. And Pete were both came out in 1977. So Just, one of the best things and two of the worst things. Mm, questionable. Yeah, 77 has always been one of my favorite numbers. So hopefully this is going to be one of my favorite episodes. I'm looking forward to 88. Yeah, is that because eight's your luckiest number? Because eight's my number, yeah. Yeah, eight's my lucky number, but 77 is my favorite number. So, as an adult, why do you have a lucky number? Because why not? Yeah, why not? It's I fun. don't think I have a lucky number. It's just know. so that when, you know, random numbers need to be picked, just be consistent. Hmm. And then over the course of your life, you're going to, on average, how did you, So, how did you acquire sometimes. your lucky number? Oh, there is actually a story. Okay. So, in England, there's this big horse race called the Grand National. And it happens every year. It's kind of like the Kentucky Derby of UK. And when I was, I don't know, five or six, I started gambling. Because <laughs> I bet my brother, who's a couple <laughs> years older than me, we decided we are going to have a bet. Because everyone watched the Grand National. And we'd heard that people were betting. So we, we bet each other 10p. And we didn't really, we were young. That's a lot of p. Yeah, it's like 15 cents, right? 10 p's. <laughs> 10 pence. Um, so we said... Because we didn't know better. We didn't realize there's like 50 horses in this race. I just said, I want, I want that one. And I picked number eight. It was uh, West Tip was the... Wow, I can't believe you remember yeah. that. You could probably go back and look at what, what year this was. But yeah, I picked, picked number eight West Tip to win. Like straight up bet with my brother. He picked number... I don't remember the number, but the name of the horse was... I'm searching back. Grease Paint was the name. <laughs> yeah. So West Tip versus Grease Paint. Out of all these horses and West Tip went on and won. And his, wow. his number was number eight. So ever since then, that was my lucky number. Mm-hmm. So why is it yours? Way back a thousand years ago when I was little, mm-hmm. they had these vending machines, you know, like in the grocery store. And it had those little tiny horoscope tubes. Does anybody remember this? Have you any idea? Yeah. You put a quarter in, oh, you spin the thing, and you get your horoscope, right? So I'm probably... I couldn't have been more than nine or ten, and it had your lucky numbers on it. Well, eight was my lucky number, <laughs> therefore eight has always been my lucky number. <laughs> but how many, how many fortune cookies have you had since then? Because don't they always give you uh, yeah, lucky know. numbers? Yeah, I don't care. That's I'm not eight funny. anymore, or whatever age I was when I found this horoscope. <laughs> maybe you were eight, and that's why it was maybe, exciting that eight was your number. Maybe. That's cool. I mean, it's also the month that I'm born. That's cool. So there's that. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure people tuned in today to listen to why we have lucky numbers. Yes. But they may also have tuned in to listen to hotel marketing related shenanigans. So today we're going to do a follow up on last week's episode. If you have not listened to last week's episode, here's a brief recap. We started out with the thought that we were going to talk about two or actually five trends that were going on in the industry. We only got through two of them. And by the end of it, we realized that the two trends that we were talking about really weren't anything you needed to worry about right now anyway. So we were, so it was kind of the untrends, the first two. So we're going to do two more of those trends today. We're going to uh, be talking about AI 
and machine learning and all the stuff that comes with AI. And we're going to be talking about um, augmented reality, virtual reality, and, and all the stuff that's coming there. Uh, so those are the trends we're going to be talking about. So stay tuned to find out whether or not we think they're good things, bad things. What's going to happen? Do you need to pay attention to it? Is it something you need to be investing in right now? Because honestly, I don't know where this conversation is going to go. We don't really practice this. We just kind of talk with, Clearly. Our, with our mouth holes <laughs> and our thinky thoughts. And then we get to an end sometimes. So before we get into that, let's see what is going on in the newsies. So I have an article. Um, it is from smarttravel.com. The title's a little clickbaity and a little misleading, but that's fine. I still think it's an interesting topic. I'm a big topic. fan of that. So the title is, Could Airbnb Soon Have a Loyalty Program? It's a very concise article, the opposite of every other one I read from Skift. This one gets <laughs> pretty straightforward Ouch. to the point. No, I, theirs is very thorough and wow. thought-provoking, and this is basically just like, here's what happened. Um, so the Airbnb CEO, who I follow on Twitter, and I do see some of his musings and questions that he poses because he does tend to pose questions to the public like this. So recently he asked... If Airbnb had a guest membership program, what benefits would you want? So, of course, the answers start pouring in. Some of the most popular suggestions that he received included concierge or a call number, access to fitness or a fitness facility nearby, um, the ability for top members to get some perks, perhaps early access to unique rentals that are typically booked in advance, some way to accrue points towards a free stay, even if it's a small amount. Um, this person also suggested that it would be a way for business travelers to convert paid travel into leisure travel, which I thought was an interesting point. And there was a few other little items as well that I think pertained a little bit more to what people look for in a traditional hotel. So one of them was keeping luggage somewhere after checkout. So perhaps all of these might not apply directly to Airbnb, but it definitely sounds like he's at least open to the idea. He's looking for feedback and I can definitely see this being a space that Airbnb moves into. I really like it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where people are already gravitating toward Airbnb, VRBO and, and those types of services. And I mean, the, the idea of the fitness center is, is phenomenal. I mean, that's the things that you're not going to typically find in Airbnb. And if they can bridge that gap and create that hotel-like experience, it, it definitely gives them a lot more more power. Yeah, and it, there's a lot going on with Airbnb right now. If you're following the news, they just appointed their first COO, um, and, and she's been writing a lot of blog articles about the plan. There was an article that came out talking about how some of the people on the board wanted to push them to an initial public offering and, and go public now, and the majority want to wait. Uh, there's also pressure coming in because there's the fear of legislation from the cities, you know, shutting them down. They, they've gone through some tremendous growth over the last several years, and that's going to start to decrease because of the limited inventory. And potentially with an economy that was up until this week soaring, the, the inventory that they have might start to reduce as well. So there's a lot of things going on that they have to make a pivot. They have to make some decisions that are going to fundamentally change the direction they head. And and I think if you look to what their biggest threats are, one is the fact that at any point, any city can take away all of the inventory. You know, just like we've seen with Uber in London, a city can come in and say, I'm banning this operation. You're not following the letter of the law. There's a lot of loopholes here. There's liability here. We're going to block you. They can't afford for that to happen if, if they're going to go to an IPO, right? The other threat is there's beginning to be a coalescence of hotels that are going to try to 
fight back against Airbnb. And the biggest strength that the hotels have is that they have a collective location. They have these group meeting spaces. They have gyms. They have restaurants. They have um, spas. They have pools, whatever it is that Airbnb are not going to be able to compete with. So now tying this all back together, Airbnb this week also announced that they've partnered with SiteMinder and in March they're going to release this to everyone that wants to. They're going to start selling hotel inventory on Airbnb, right? You as a hotelier, Mm. independent hotel, are going to be allowed to come and put your inventory on there. Price model will probably be different than the low fees they're charging the hosts right now. And they do have some um, criteria. I, I was just, uh, before recording this, I was on the HSMAI This Week in Hospitality Digital Marketing show. And Robert Cole was on there and he read through the list of uh, the requirements for properties to, to be participating in this program. But, and this is just a theory, but if Airbnb says, I want your hotel on here, it's not a stretch for Airbnb also to say, and we want to be able to leverage your gym and we want to be able to leverage your meeting space because those are some of the criteria. One of the criteria that they're requesting is that you have a common meeting area, like a common area where people can mingle is one of the requirements for a hotel to be on this space. So chains are out, right? A lot of chains are not going to be able to participate. It's going to be groovy little boutique hotels or unique properties in a lot of markets that have these facilities that the the consumer of Airbnb is going to demand over time. And so they've just, by getting hotel inventory and getting the amenities, they've just solved two of their biggest threats, which is really, really smart. Um, again, theory, but it's just kind of putting together the little points of all the different things you've been reading about Airbnb. On top of that, they're also getting into flights. They're also getting into experiences. They're doing all this other stuff. They're looking for new revenue streams. And their CEO a couple of weeks ago said that 12 months from now, 50% of their revenue will be coming from things that they don't currently do. So they're really in this big transition. So it's going to be really interesting to watch how this plays out. I think one of the other opportunities too, knowing that they're trying to differentiate the revenue stream, but also providing a, a more well-rounded experience. One of the suggestions for the loyalty program, kind of to tie this back, was to partner with local businesses. So showing your booking reference or something for discounts. You know, we definitely work with hotel groups that have some type of partnership program with local restaurants or attractions or whatever it might be. So I think that could be an, an interesting way to tie back that localization giving people, you know, a, a reward and something unique for staying with Airbnb and, um, you know, really differentiating what they're offering. I really like the idea of the whole loyalty program thing, but if you take a step back looking at it from a global standpoint, implementing that logistically sounds like a nightmare to me. Like, how do you go and contact a small restaurant to partner with this one property that happens to be located in the city and create all of that type of stuff. Airbnb are capable of doing that. They, they're, you know, if, if nothing else, they're great engineers and can create a great user experience, right? Their, their website, there was a lot of people trying to do what they did. And yes, they were very aggressive with their goals and, and getting into certain markets. But at the end of the day, the product is one of the main reasons they were successful because they created from an engineering perspective, a UI perspective, it was just top notch. So if they can create a, a, an, uh, an ecosystem where to make that transaction easy, 
then I could see them pulling it off. And I really think that loyalty is going to be the battleground as people try to uh, differentiate themselves and provide value. Um, there's a lot of stats uh, coming out that, that argue that loyalty programs don't have the impact. And even people that travel frequently actually are less loyal than people that tra travel you know, less. But uh, if you look at what Merritt's doing and Hilton's doing to yeah. revitalize their loyalty programs, a lot of the independent groups that we work with and have worked with for a long time that have always been very anti-loyalty program are getting into it. You know, it's a way to combat the OTAs. It's a way to combat competition. So there's going to be a big, and there's a lot of startups in loyalty too. A lot of people we talked about last week, there's a few using blockchain, mm -hmm. but loyalty is going to be the battleground over the next couple of years, yeah. I think. And for Airbnb, it, it's so important for them because they have accommodations all over the place. I could see them partnering with other, you know, franchises. I mean, that one, I could see, you know, like, like, like you're staying in, in a destination city and you get to go to the Planet Fitness that's there. Like that, that's exactly what yeah. I was thinking as well is because one of the things that people want is access to facilities. Sure. Well, if you're Airbnb member while you're staying at Airbnb, you have free access. Planet Fitness has enough people that pay and don't go, so it's fine. Yeah. They can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> CZ at Ashley downstairs. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's interesting. Really pay attention to Airbnb right now. I mean, I know people kind of have been up and down, and your feelings might be mixed on Airbnb, but you've got to appreciate what they've accomplished in such a short amount of time. And I, I think they're just beginning. I think what they're trying to become is something much, much bigger than they are currently. They now, with the addition of hotel inventory, are an OTA. They are direct competition, not just, you know, up until now they've been a competition to to the flags, but now they're a competition to Expedia. And and that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as well. And what's the next? Do we have another newsy? I don't think that so. That is all the newsies. That's all the newsies. Wow. Only one today, but I think that was a big one. Um, all right, so let's jump into our topic, shall we? What what we got going on? We which one are we gonna do first? Me so say. is this one or three? One one three three four one. One one three three. three this three. is yeah. two point one because it was the second podcast in the first. Oh, okay, I can yeah. appreciate that logic. Or if we go with the Star Wars thing, we can just do them completely out of order. So five. That's true. This is twelve yeah. six. So last week was seven. four five six. So now we're doing the prequels one two three. Okay. Either way, it's about augmented and virtual reality. Ooh. which is really weird that people bundle those together and we did yeah. it as well but every time you hear augmented reality it's bundled with virtual reality well, and they're two very need, different yeah, technologies we need to right address that and discuss what each one of them are because they're related but they're not the same thing correct so discuss well so i augmented reality i'm more familiar with i think most people tend to bucket this in virtual reality but it's augmented so when you think of that the first thing most people think of is pokemon go Right. So you have actual reality and then there's something that is augmented into that space. So in the case of the Pokemon Go game, you would have the little Pokemon that would be hiding and you could put your phone up and you would see like what's actually in front of you. And then something else would be augmented into that space. You're, you're talking about Pokemon Go like past tense, like no one plays it anymore. But I, I am one of the... Um, there are still people that the, play it The for remaining sure. demographic, which is 40-year-old nerds that still play Pokemon Go. I have Go. some guy friends that still play. Yeah. It's still a thing. No judgment. I played it for a long time, but it just... I got to the point where it was like, I would have to get so many to get to the next level, I just got bored with it. Yeah. The rewards were diminishing for me. For sure. But so it's... There's actual... Like, there's actual reality in the augmented reality. It's yeah, not totally... It, it's a layer of extra additional information 
on top of what you're really seeing in reality. That's Correct. augmented. It's augmenting your reality. I hate to keep using the definition of the word and the definition, but I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Well, if you know what... <laughs> it's aug- augmented, not totally If you know virtual. what augment means and you know what reality <laughs> means, you pretty much got yeah. it. But there's, there's a lot of, you know, poster boys of augmented reality. There, there, you know, there's... Uh, uh, man, I say that and then it's completely... <laughs> Ikea came out with their, their app. We've got a lot of buzz, right? Where you can put a a couch or a chair in your living room that was a pretty Which cool killer cool. app for mm-hmm. it yeah i mean if you even way back i remember i mean what 2007 or 8 where around me yeah was around me was great what happened out. to that i just checked it's still an app but no but one used they it don't anymore. do the augmented reality yeah i know it, it was and that really was weird. so cool because you could hold your phone up and yeah. see where destinations were and how far away and i want to say i read an article the other day that yelp is doing something very similar now like around mm-hmm. me used to do. I have not personally used it, but that that to me is great to be able to hold up my phone and look around and, and get labels and um, menus and things like that. And I've seen some places also, there's a couple of apps out there where you're actually in a restaurant and you hold your phone over the app and it's going to show you a picture of what the meal is going to come out like when you're looking at the menu, which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many opportunities for hotels to take advantage of augmented reality. A little bit less so from virtual reality. So do you want to briefly go into detail about what the difference is? Like what is actual virtual reality? We'll do uh, it. Okay. virtual. We can do that. I, I don't want to finish on augmented because I think there's other applications and I want to get specific. But yeah, let's talk about virtual reality next. Okay. So I mean, the, the way I see virtual reality is when you think of the Oculus Rift and things that you put on and you're actually completely immersed in that virtual reality more or less yeah it's a, so. it's, a it's a create computer generated reality right a completely virtual world which doesn't rely on your real surroundings mm-hmm. so that's that's a big difference it's really funny to see the videos of people wearing the oculus rift or whatever it is and then mm-hmm. like people are watching them and they just like look lost and confused and mm-hmm. <laughs> in their own little world if you will yeah <laughs> so some of the applications of this that i've seen and 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 people some people feel like Virtual reality is a threat to travel, right? Because theoretically, when the technology gets good enough, you could put on these um, these goggles and maybe like a heptic feedback suit like is going to be shown in Ready Player One that's coming out next month. And you could go and be immersed in a, a foreign land. Oh, man, you could go like virtual. to the Caribbean and the suit is like a tanning bed and you come back all tanned. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of Total Recall-esque, right? You do not really go into these places. It's It's, I don't know, but... That I don't I don't think that's a threat to travel personally. I don't I just don't I don't think that's going to be a replacement. It's not the same. I think the br- human brain is sophisticated enough to discern the difference between a, a virtual memory and a you know real memory. Oh, there was a Black Mirror episode about that. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alerts. Yeah, I love that show. It's so good. So good. It's way better my- than the one on Amazon. <clears throat> I know my whole issue with virtual reality is, I mean, we've seen it try to take off, try to take off, and try to take off. And people who have, you know, I know people with Oculuses and they got crazy, they love them, they use them, and then they put them away because it's just so immersive that you're only doing that. And we're such a multi, you know, doing so many things. It shuts you off time. to everything else, you know. It, it and, does. And, and I don't feel like the killer app's been out yet. Mm-hmm. But having said that, you know, it, it, there's a lower barrier in, to entry than there ever was. Computer power is getting more sophisticated and, and more capable of creating better virtual worlds than it ever was. So, I wouldn't write it off because you can get your phone in a Google Cardboard, you know, or go buy a $20 plastic 
version of that from Amazon and you can go and immerse yourself in some kind of 3D real-time virtual environment. So where I see hotels potentially taking advantage of that is if you have big meeting space. What is that noise? Is that your phone? It's my phone. Um, <laughs> it's vibrating through everything. But where I see that being an opportunity is if you have a big meeting space or group center or you're doing weddings and stuff like that, recording that with a 360 camera and going through and publishing that as a three 360 video but also as a, a virtual reality video i could see where you not only potentially get some buzz from from that um, from your consumer but also you could get some pr buzz from that from media as well who are saying hey look at this application because everyone's looking for real actionable applications of these technologies right now so whenever someone's at the cutting edge of that they tend to get a big buzz from that a lot of links to their site a lot of um, just inches on the on newspapers. I mean, it, it goes back to content is king. And I think right now from a, a VR perspective in the accommodation space, the, the, the cost benefit is not there yet. You know, if, if you were to go into all of your rooms and do a 360 VR tour, that would be phenomenal. But the question is how many customers are actually going to enjoy that, use it to make it actually worthwhile. I think you would get a ton of links to your site. I don't know it's going to be from customers who are actually going to no, but end up driving beds. It's still going to help with your link authority and things yeah. like that. So, And it's low barrier to entry. You can go buy a 360 camera now, which can create VR videos for like three, 400 bucks or less. So the barrier to entry... Is, is so low that I, I don't know why more people aren't just trying it. This is, you know, we always talk on the show about um, sticking to the fundamentals and doing the basics well before jumping into the shiny, glitzy thing. But in this case, if, it's, if you have some kind of contingency budget and you want to have a little fun and just see that there's potentially a big benefit to being an early adopter or something like this. You know, in our meeting today, well, we had a meeting today, not that anybody on the podcast knows what I'm talking about, but we had a meeting today with a client and we were talking about social media and they had been doing some live videos for some promotions and they said the room tours are just always so successful. So they'll do a live video and they'll be pushing a promotion for whatever it might be, but walking through the room, and this is oceanfront condo so it's a little bit more than a traditional hotel room but doing a tour of the room and it i feel like that's so important i think there are a lot of applications because people want to see where they're staying as a person who is traveling next week to go visit my mom and i'm staying in a hotel why are there not more room photos and this is specific it was a hilton property there was one picture of the room like no bathroom does it have a fridge does it have a microwave i have no idea because your website's garbage so this How do you people, really feel about it? People are clamoring for this type of content. Like, give them what they want, especially if they're spending a decent chunk of money for the trip or they're staying for a longer period of time. They want to see where they're staying. They want to know the little weird details right. that you probably wouldn't even it's think like about. kind of like an unboxing video for a yes. hotel. Yeah. You know, yeah. Walk them through it. And- yeah, and look at all the photos that Airbnb has of their properties, right? You know every oh nook and cr- cranny oh, yeah. of every house and you I can stay it. in. And they point out all the little weird, bizarre stuff about it, which is part of the charm. So I agree 100%. I think this is something you should probably be dabbling in on the virtual reality side, but not spending a ton of budget or time on it. It's, it's just, you know, something that I think you can experiment with. Augmented reality, I think it's a different thing. I think there's killer applications out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's better utility. It's going to ha- probably have a bigger impact on society. Um, I, if you look at what like, Google Translate's doing, where they can mm-hmm. do real-time translation of signs and, and menus and stuff, phenomenal, right? There's, that's going to help 
reduce the barrier to entry for travelers going to foreign countries where they can't speak the language. I saw um, someone doing that with an audio um, app as well, where you could it would listen and translate. So there's a lot of augmented reality application, but I don't know from a market hotel marketing perspective that there's something you need to be spending money on right now. Even though, you know, if you look at the latest iOS um, version, the latest Android version, and the latest hardware, they're really packing in a lot of things that make augmented reality a lot easier. It's not something you should be spending your marketing budget on unless you're an agency or you have a ton of properties and you want to try to do something cool and unique. Uh, but it's going to influence the traveler for sure. Yeah, I think for us, you know, as a software provider, it's more of an opportunity for us because let's say hypothetically, we have our mobile app. You've stayed at, you've stayed at, um, what was the hotel in Nashville you stayed at? The Gaylord Opryland? Yeah. Huge property, right? So if, if that property had a mobile app and it had some type of augmented reality that can navigate you through the hotel, yeah. give you menus for on-site restaurants, whatever it might be, just to help that experience, I think would be a that relevant That would make sense, right? They're like a 3,000 unit property yeah. and they're trying to stand out. They, that would be perfect. But if you're a 100 unit Hilton, that's not something you need oh, to be yeah, worried just, about, right? Well, now. I think what you do have to be aware of and kind of going back to episode 76 where we talked about Bitcoin, you know, other things like that is be aware of it and start dabbling. Try to understand it because it's one of those technologies that when it starts taking off, it's going to snowball very, very fast. And you want to be ready to to adapt. So, you know, if it's you know, starting to think about how you would implement augmented reality in your marketing and kind of taking that boxing up and holding it until it's ready. You, you know what you can that. do? You can put more Pokemon food around your property to attract more of the Pokemon so the people <laughs> well, that people use the Pokemon thing. Go. Yeah, people yeah. used to do We did a whole newsjacking yeah. um, episode on Pokemon Go at one yeah. point. But, that, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of cool things going on with marketing for po- folks that have budget to spend. There's a, there's a wine that I really like. and they have, <gasps> 18 Crimes? Yeah. And they <laughs> have... That is so cool. That, so they have an app where if you hold up your, the, your camera to one of their wine bottles... It, each wine bottle has a person on it that's committed a crime and or was was it someone that committed the crime or was it's it like a famous an actual story yeah. Yeah. Like so they have these famous crime stories and it's just a still picture obviously on the bottle but if you hold your camera up to it it's like looking at a photo in harry potter like they come to life and tell their story it's just so cool but what it, it did for me because i was always drinking a specific one of their wines mm-hmm. i went out and bought every single one of their wines mm-hmm. to get the different characters and see what it's like okay. and then i realized i could have just gone on youtube and seen it all but i already million spent dollar money. idea i'm gonna need to partner with somebody at 19 crimes to take my commission on this so i'm trademarking it but taking that idea what if i could go on and send them your picture and get you a personalized wine bottle with the personalized story i write that would be phenomenal. That Let's just start so that cool. company. Don't do even it. worry about 19 Crimes. Do it. Done it. Right. I want 19 Crimes. Well, this crimes. is the last episode of the Fuel Hotel Marketing <laughs> Podcast. We are going to be in the wine business. Yes. You should be able to put the two bottles of wine next to each other, and then the two guys would fight. That would oh, be that pretty cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I, there's a lot of cool applications for augmented reality. I think it's really going to disrupt our society and become a tool, just like things like GPS have now, right? I think it's going to become a tool that we just gets infused into our day-to-day over the next couple of years because it, it's so much easier to implement and there's so many, much potential for us to have an improved quality of life by making things easier for us, whether it's just providing more information on what we're looking at or giving us directions or whatever it is. Aug- augmented reality to me is going to have a much bigger impact, but for the sake of our listeners, 
virtual reality, even though these things are kind of sort of related, but not really, I think virtual reality is something you might want to dabble in now with like rooms and meeting space and stuff like that. I have some statisticals. Can we end on those for the conversation? Yeah. Just to put things in context, according to iFortravel.com, the shipment of VR devices are expected to grow by over 400% from 2017 to 2021. Um, another website, Omnivert, I might have said that wrong, they estimate that there will be more than 171 million active VR users by 2018, so that's now. And then the same website, Omnivert.com, discovered that 41% of adults are interested in trying VR. I feel like that last stat's not quite as useful. Um, so I feel like pe- just to Wait, prove how the many point are interested in trying it? 41%. I'm not. I'm surprised like, it's not higher. Yeah, like who are the 59% that aren't at least a little I feel curious? Like there's some people out there that are weirded out by it. Yeah, I they're don't know. distrustful of the technology. They don't understand it. They're like, eh, I don't know. Maybe kids so. these days. Maybe and we're all going to be walking walking around in our virtual world. I would soon. try it. I don't know if I've ever tried it before. I feel it's like really I would fun. know if I tried it. Uh, Nick brought it into the office. Uh, he still has it. A few months. Is it here? It's, he has it's it fun. the Samsung clip. Yeah, on. the Sam- Samsung one's pretty good. My kid has one that his iPhone can go in. It's not the greatest because there's not many killer apps for it, but it, it's fun. It's I would just say this, going thought. back to the whole, like, is this a threat to replace people traveling? I think of it from a personal perspective of, I would love to go to Dubai. I'm probably never going to actually go to Dubai, but if there was like some virtual reality thing that I could go look at it, do some goggles, I would do that. So it's not going to take away from me traveling. It's probably just going to give me something to do that yeah, I, don't I can't see it ever see. Say, someone saying, oh, I was going to go to the Caribbean. But now I'm but not. No, in, instead of doing that tonight, I'm just going to pretend I'll yeah, yeah, I Because you want to be able to do a selfie of yourself on the beach. You want to be able to... You actually want to experience this it. with others. And <laughs> Biggest part of travel for me is the food. Yes. Right. Uh, VR is not going to replace food yeah. until I'm like, you can replace food with like a pill that you eat that gives you everything you need. Even yeah. then, I don't know. But still, like, would you take a picture of yourself wearing a VR headset saying, loving my time in Dubai? <laughs> <laughs> Virtual <laughs> be, Dubai. Yeah, that would be really sad. Yeah. Now, Misha brings up a good point. I mean, we don't travel necessarily just for the destination. It's the people and it's the culture and it's, you know, the memories. And that can yeah. I'm going to eat so much king cake. Oh, you're going to New Orleans. Go to Mardi Gras. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think that's yeah. the time. You got a costume picked out? I don't. So my mom was trying to educate me on the whole costume thing. And I'm <laughs> like, I don't. Just pick pick me out something. I'll wear it. So who yeah, knows? It's pretty. It's, who knows? I've only been to Bourbon Street non-Mardi Gras. And yeah. it is insane. It is the, the most bizarre place I've ever been it's in my life. It's the best people watching. It, it is just a phenomenal place. And, and whether it's day or night. It's just interesting. Yeah. It's a different kind of interesting, for sure. Oh, yeah. But you, there are people fall out drunk in the middle of the day and just all the weirdest. I just like watching it. Like, put humanity. me up on a balcony. Yeah. It's probably 200 years old and is going to fall under me, but that's fine. Yeah. Bourbon Street's <laughs> really interesting, but I'd, uh, it'd be interesting to go to. Um, you go to Bourbon Street for, sure. for like happy hour, have a drink, get out of your system, and then like go elsewhere. Yeah. Go to the, yeah. Side streets and stuff like that. All right. So I think we've uh, AR, VR to death, right? Want to so. move on to the next one? So we're, we're like kind of sort of thumbs up on that one. So this yeah, is actually a trend we kind of yeah. pay attention to. Start, dab- sure. start dabbling. Yeah. Dabble. Dabble away. Dabble Little dabble away. do you. So the, our 2.2 slash number four slash number two for today is something that is near and dear to my heart because I feel like it relates to me. It is artificial intelligence. It's how I make it through my day. Are you artificial or are you intelligent? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> it's a loaded question. How do I answer that? Yeah, so 
we had this, but I think it also opens the door for another conversation about two things that people get confused, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So perhaps we should dive into the difference between the two. Yeah, and I, I think the challenge is that the definition of artificial intelligence has become very broad. You know, it went back when it was created many, many decades ago, there were like seven or, or nine, I forget, characteristics that defined artificial intelligence. But, and, and I think a lot of scholars still disagree on what the difference is or what each one, the actual definition is. But I think in, in my experience, and we did a little AI in, in my postgrad degree, but I think if you think of artificial intelligence as the ability for a computer to to think on its own without being told what to think, I think that's the best, broadest definition of artificial intelligence. So things like being creative, um, being random, right, not following a rule, being um, having abstract thought, that to me is artificial intelligence. The ability for a computer or computer system to, to go beyond what the parameters of what it was told to do initially, or what it was taught so like specifically Kit on by human. Well, well, I compo- yes. I mean, it, it's, yes, I, I guess that would be an illustration. But you could argue what, well, then is um, an echo, is that artificial intelligence? And, and no, it's not, really. When you think about it, there are components of it that leverage artificial intelligence, but the device itself isn't it's an AI programmed. device, right? Yeah, everything you ask it has a pre-programmed response now right. there's artificial intelligence in the um natural language processing uh, in the algorithm to sort the responses things like that but the actual like go go try this right now if you have a, an echo device say um when I, I asked this question this morning alexa when was the last time the united states hosted the winter olympics is what i said yeah. right it said the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics is blah, 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 blah. So what it did was it paused my, my, my question, couldn't understand it, looked at the words that it did understand, and just gave back the formulaic pre-programmed response that someone had told it to respond when right. anyone's mm-hmm. asking about the Winter Olympics. That seems right like now. a simple query, though. I know. But you would think. It could have been my accent, but it, it could mm-hmm. also be that no one has yet told it to know the answer to that, right? Mm-hmm. This... Echo and say um, Watson, IBM's Watson, mm-hmm. are very, very different sure. machines. Watson is artificial intelligence; it learns on its own. The way I mean, the way I, there's a good example I think in chess. So back in 1996 is when Deep Blue first beat Garry Kasparov mm-hmm. in chess, and the way that happened was Deep Blue was basically programmed with all the different chess moves that were out there. It saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games, and it understood that. If Gary makes move A, I should make move B. It was and, all probability, though, right? right? It was all based on predetermined, mapped out, step by step moves. Right. It was. It was just. It was. It was all you know programmatic. If this happens, do this. Where humans have entered every permutation, right? right. Here are all the here are all the games that have ever been played. These are the ones that won. Here's the ones that lost. Yeah. So follow these patterns. Exactly. So now let's fast forward to 2017. You have Google's AlphaGo Zero, which was another chess machine but this time they didn't show it a single chess game all google did was program in the specific rules of playing chess so you have a pawn that can move two places to begin with you can have a bishop that can only move diagonally and then it stood back within eight hours of just getting the rules of the game the uh, alpha go zero beat the greatest minds in chess of our time and it did it without ever with, with moves that had never been seen 
or documented in the history of chess. So he basically rewrote the game, learned how to play, and learned how to play basically in a vacuum to where it was not, you know, I guess muddied by looking at how humans had played chess for so long, and it became a chess master. Well, is that AI hours. or is that machine learning? Well, so this this is the way I think about it, and and correct me if I'm wrong, right? But I'm not machine so. machine learning is a a subset of AI. So sure. all machine learning is AI, but not all AI is machine learning. It's like a square rectangle, sense? rectangle, rectangle correct, square. Yeah. Right. So machine learning is one aspect of it. So mm-hmm. the way I think of machine learning is if if it, it's a way of taking a bunch of data and making minor adjustments to find a favorable outcome. So if you had a box that had four dials on it and you were tasked with, okay, every time um, you get some data, you have to move the dials in a certain order or randomly and see what the output is. And it's either a good out- output or a bad output. And you try that thousands and thousands of times kind of randomly and you learn from that so you learn what the best favorable outcome is of moving these dials that's what machine learning is it's a way of taking in a ton of data without being told necessarily what the chess best next chess move is to deep blue that was more of machine learning in my mind right versus alpha go zero which was ai well no 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 they're both they're both no deep blue was not machine learning at all AlphaGo Zero was machine learning because what it did was it was running the computations. It was taking the data that it was creating, trying different things. So in its head or in its computer power, which really the reason machine learning is taking off now is because computer power is a lot higher than it was. And when we get into quantum computing, it's going to take off even more. But because computer power is so much more than it was, it can run through like not just all the games that have ever been played, but every permutation of every move that could possibly be fathomed without human telling it it's it's going through every iteration and learning and learning and becoming better because of that so machine learning is just really the automation of taking in data understanding its application and from the response it gets adapting and improving so i have a layman's comparison okay <laughs> it's also related to deep blue you know the movie deep blue sea where they do something to the sharks and the sharks start learning and becoming really smart and then mm-hmm. like try to kill the people yeah with samuel L. jackson <laughs> yeah who gets eaten yeah spoiler so sharks are machine learning <laughs> that's your takeaway <laughs> yeah. didn't they, wasn't that like a genetic update they they did didn't they genetically engineer those? i can't remember i, I remember. randomly decided to watch it recently it's one of those like, great Ooh. b movies yeah it's like, really yeah. bad but really good is it worse than snakes on a plane I'd say probably on par, mm. yeah, very similar. Um, but but back back to machine learning. There, there's also this thing now called deep learning, which is even sounds deep. Yeah, so it's think think of machine learning on steroids. So so say with machine learning, there were five dials that the computer was automatically tweaking, right? With deep learning, there's probably a thousand dials that is is, and it can process way more data. So it's getting smarter much faster so one of the one of the i, I think the most understandable uh, Im- applications of machine learning is uh image recognition so think mm-hmm. think about this right if i showed you a picture of a dog and a cat you know what which is which nine out of ten unless it's one of those weird looking cats right how do you know that now how do you teach a computer to know what that is 
right? That's it's really, it's hard. really hard, right? Because you could say a cat has pointy up ears and dog has floppy ears, but then not all cats and all dogs match right. that criteria, right? So it's very hard algorithmically for a human to give rules that define what a cat is versus a dog is. So machine learning is where you feed a bunch of images of cats and dogs to a computer and it it figures out through probability what mm-hmm. it is and guesses and then learns whether or not it's correct and it and gets better and better at predicting what a dog is and what a cat is. What about cat dog? What about man bear pig? <laughs> I don't know. Puppy monkey bear. <laughs> yeah. So so that that's really what machine learning is. Think about it from the f- photo side but but apply it to anything else, right? It it's gets data, learns from each data point it gets. And get smarter because of it. It's going to be more and more accurate every time. So that's kind of the machine learning piece of it. AI, if we back up the the, um, the chain a little bit, AI has more applications than just machine learning, right? Because it's it's the ability for a computer to think and stuff like that. And and I think there's a big fear right now that AI is going to replace humans. And and that's very unlikely, at least in the next several decades. That there's things humans can do like discerning, having um, the ability to... I, know, I was listening to Tim Peter again. I re- reference him a lot on this show. I was listening to his podcast last week, or this week's episode, and he was talking about how computers cannot have empathy. Mm-hmm. And that's a very human trait that it's going to be almost impossible, very unfathomable for a computer mm-hmm. to have that. So there's things that computers aren't ever going to be able to do. And you know, like last week we said AI makes big data small, I think also what it, it does is it augments humans' ability to, to move quickly, to, to do thing tasks, right? Repetitive tasks, AI is going to help us um, to, to be able to mine data and gain insight into information. AI is going to help us to going to be able to do that. So AI is really going to revolutionize how we do our job, whether we realize it or not. AI is going to have an impact on us. It's not going to replace us. I think it's just going to be part of the tools that we use are going to become smarter through AI and through machine learning. Well, yeah, I have, go ahead. Oh, you, I have some examples, but you can do your point. I, it, from the hotel perspective, it is a, it's a goldmine in terms of analytics. You know, being able to put the pieces together that you would never have seen in the past mm-hmm. and be able to add a layer of intelligence to your past guest history and understand and predict guest behavior. You know, so when is this person going to travel? And pulling in more and more data inputs from social feeds, you know, from their past purchase history, wherever else we might get that data from, to better target and deliver, you know, satisfaction, you know, to our hotel guests. So I think that's where it is. But I think in general, it's going to be transparent to the user. I don't know that you're ever going to say, oh, well, we're going to use AI for this. Right. It's going to be just, you know. Like when you come home and your Nest thermostat knows that you're home and the temperature comes up a little bit. It happens behind the scenes. It knows that you enjoy you know, a warmer home when you get home, and it, it takes care of it. You right. don't do anything. It just it makes life better. Right. Great technology is invisible, right? right. It, we don't know it. But, <clears throat> but you think how AI is going to revolutionize like analytics. It's going to revolutionize advertising plans. It's going to revolutionize rate in, in management. It's going to revolutionize... Um, business intelligence anything we're doing right now manually with data is going to fundamentally be different within the next few years there's a lot of tools out there already that have embedded ai within the tools but it's the tools you're probably already using vendors like fuel that have tools are already investing in ai 
to make their tools smarter and better. So you you will be using tools if you're not already that have AI baked in. And, and you you already are because tools like Google has AI baked in. It's it's rank brain piece of the algorithm is AI. And you've been using that for several years. And that's, you know, and no one, and you don't know that. It doesn't really impact you. You just know that Google results are better than others. So you use it. AI is mm-hmm. the reason that it's better. And, well, there and it's going to be the same with other tools. there are some travel brands that are already kind of getting into this. Obviously, the larger players, which are typically the ones that we see moving into new spaces first. The first one is Hilton. They are testing Connie, which is an automated concierge powered by IBM Watson, which we just talked about, and Wayblazer. Connie is able to answer questions about services, amenities, local attractions, and more. There's also Royal Dutch Airlines. They have um, a service that incorporates AI that allows travel shoppers to receive booking info, check-in notifications, boarding passes, flight updates, answer general questions, whatever it might be via the Facebook Messenger. And then the last one that I found was Visit Orlando, which I just thought was interesting just from a destination marketing perspective. They have integrated AI into its web and app platforms to answer very unique travel searches like where's the best place to find brunch or places for local craft beer or just more natural ways of searching for things versus going to Google and typing in whatever you might type in. Yeah, and we, we played around with some chatbot AI here at Fuel with um, one of our clients is MetalBeach.com and, and you know, we to varying degrees of success. You know, I don't think AI is as it's really far along and it's it's accelerated tremendously, but I don't think it's as far along in, in terms of being able to replace a human for answering questions sure. as we think it is. Like, yes, um, Watson can beat the best Jeopardy champion, right? Yes, that's true. Dealing with facts, right? Empirical data, like stuff that is either yes or no. The computers are, are smart enough, and AI is smart enough to filter through and parse what your meaning is and, and understand it and respond, right? So that's possible. But when it's an individual with different dialect For asking sure. questions in a weird way, or just like about what's local the contextual best things, restaurant, like yeah. that's a very subjective question. Yeah. And so, so there's, it's going to be a while before that can replace a human. And, and I think it's great that Hilton's experimenting, the big brands that have the budgets to do that are pushing this technology along. That's phenomenal. But that doesn't mean that you as an independent hotel need to go drop a bunch of money now researching AI and saying, how do I have a virtual chatbot or how do I have a virtual system on my property? The consumer isn't demanding it yet, for sure. And even if you were to invest all the money you can right now, it's not going to be good enough to replace a person. Oh, yeah. And anyway. to be a thousand percent clear, you should work on having actually good customer service representatives and actual human concierges mm-hmm. before you should have fake ones. Yeah. Make sure your staff answer <laughs> yeah. questions accurately yeah. and correctly Let's and with a smile there. on their face before you worry about a computer doing it, for sure. So so I, th- I think, you know, with augmented virtual reality, we were like, this is probably something you should be dabbling in on the virtual at least, paying attention to an augmented. With AI, I think it's you're going to be using it with, currently or in the future, whether you know it or not, but it's not something you need a line item on your budget for today if you're an independent hotel or a small property. you know, If you're a big corporation, yeah, you should be looking at how can I streamline operations, how can I get better use of my data doing this thing with AI, but paying other people that have already done the legwork to, to leverage AI. Is that fair? Fair. Totally so. fair. So, so it's not really a trend you need to be dabbling with right now. So all four of my trends were garbage. Got it. Yeah, well, the we- untrends. They're megatrends like Skiff. Megatrends. 18 megatrends. 
Mega Trend Train. Get on. <laughs> Come on the train. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we derail. Hey, Pete. Hey. We had a question. We do, did. Do you want to be the one that reads it? Because you yes. do such a good job reading these <laughs> yes, questions. Yes, I can do a great job. All right, and I'll be Chris, here for I'm going to make, make you proud. This question comes from Chris. He goes, hey, guys, someone just introduced me to a site called trvl.com. We call it Trivel. True. Which lets individuals earn travel agent commissions. They make their own booking page, and he has an example, with the hotels, and then share these recommendations with the friends. If the friends book, they get a bulk of the commission, and Trivel gets the rest. Have you heard of this site? He goes, the biggest issue that he sees is that it's used by the big OTAs for bookings, so in the end, it doesn't appear to help the property. It really just split, splits the commission. But maybe properties can benefit from a more personalized recommendations. Trivial offer? What's so your take? My my biggest question is, what do they have against vowels? <laughs> well, they get to buy those. This is oh, true. $250 yeah. a pop. This yeah. is true. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. So this is essentially sort of a multi-level marketing scheme, right? Because... They're, well, it's just, they're, it's they're buying level. their inventory or they're getting a feed from the OTAs and putting it on their distribution platform, their truerural.com, <laughs> right? And then if I'm the one that tells you to go book it here, I get a piece of the action. You don't save. You as the person that's getting the stay don't save money. The hotel doesn't get any benefit because they're still paying all the commission to the OTA. The OTA now is just splitting the middleman OTA is now splitting their piece with another middleman. It's just right. a, it's affiliate marketing. It's no different yeah. than you know running an AdSense campaign, you know, and, and on driving a site. it to and, a site that's selling Expedia. Right. I mean, we, we we've seen this kind of in the past where yeah. you build up a, a blog and you have a ton of links to you know Google products, like or now it's big deal on Amazon products. The influencers, the travel influencers. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, that's the scenario, right? Is a blo- a blogger, travel blogger. Uh, writes an article about a property and says, but if you want to book, book through this link on this site and that's mm-hmm. their affiliate link and then they get credit for it. So yeah, I, <laughs> I went to this site because I was curious. I had never I heard of too. it. So I navigated to it. So first of all, I go to the site and I'm like, mm, not really sure what this is. There's like zero information what about it. You mean the site. it's true. So I was like, let me just go start, you know, doing some research. So I clicked on destinations, clicked on United States or the Americas, whatever North America clicked on. I, I navigated all the way down to Asheville and it was a 404 page. So that was kind of disappointing. So to be fair, their 404 page is really funny, but I'm like, okay, literally the one place I was like, this sounds interesting. Let me click on this. Like, oh, sorry. Couldn't be found. So Asheville is MIA on the site. Tell us about the 404 page. I'm intrigued. (laughs) It's a cat. That's why you liked it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a cat and he's like walking around. He's got, it's all these, it's a big cat, but it's a normal size cat. So all the stuff around is small. It's a big cat, but it's a normal size cat. He, he looks big because all the the stuff around him is tiny. Okay. So he's walking by like the Eiffel Tower and like the Colosseum in Rome and the the Arc de Triomphe, and he's like confused and lost. I like and, how you said the Arc de Triomphe in a French accent. I pulled a Giada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. So it's it's like Monty Python. Yeah, it's it's, it's like very a big Monty Python. I like how around. it pushes over the Leaning yeah. Tower. That's the reason. Tis, tis but a flesh yeah. wound. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's a site. It's, it's designed not necessarily for travelers, but for like you said, for influencers. To me, this yeah, this is like a, a not good knockoff of like what Airbnb is trying to do. I mean, I get it's not the same thing, well, but it, it kind of has that like feel. Um, yeah. 
the people who have their Amazon affiliate links and are, yeah. are basically creating sites that review products only to make money. You know, right. Affiliate, affiliate marketing is becoming a big revenue stream. Yeah. It's and like a whole industry. People yeah. are making their living from yeah. reviewing products. And yeah. I mean, for instance, if you were to, I mean, we're here in Myrtle Beach. You could create a MyrtleBeach.Trivel.com and have people come here. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Maybe we Pause should recommend this podcast that to our... And let me do that. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should recommend that. Uh, well, when, we, when Misha and I are going to go and make wine with your face on it, yeah. you can go do the travel com. We should each make up our wine stories about how we got in trouble and went to jail. <laughs> All right, maybe that's <laughs> off the podcast. We'll share that on yeah. another episode. But to answer Chris's question, I don't think any of us had heard of this, this site before. I don't think any of us feel like it's going to be the next big thing. I think it's going to exist and people will make some money from it, but... I, I don't see it really taking off. There's no advantage. Where's the advantage yeah. from the consumer's perspective? There isn't any, right? So, Well, the, I think the advantage, you got to remember who the customer is. The right. customer is the, the influencer friend of the influencer. Yeah. You know, so if I'm getting a better travel experience because, you know, I follow you on Twitter or whatever, you say, hey, go check this out for the best places to stay. I have gotten something because I haven't had to plan my trip. Because but you haven't gotten there. anything different than if that person had still given you the recommendation but linked straight to their website. Right. There's no there's no reason that truerule.com exists from my perspective. There is certainly for the influencer. It gives them a reason to write this stuff. But this is... You well, know, I mean, because you, you've given me a nice UI to look at four or five different hotels to choose from. Sure. But you could do that anyway out of the goodness of your heart because yeah. you're a travel blogger, right? And right. maybe I pay for that somehow. But I, I think society right now, especially in the U.S., is getting this really... It's, it's a dangerous fascination with everyone trying to get a little piece of everything. You know, go to Facebook today and look at how many people are selling you crap, like whether it's bags or makeup or cleaning, you know, hyperallergenic cleaning products. It's I hate people and I hate Facebook. <laughs> Don't you handle social media? Um, so this, this affiliate marketing thing, everyone's trying to get a little piece and they're not making a ton of money on it, but they're making more than they would by not doing it. But now I did briefly look into this before the podcast. I was not able to find a single way where as a hotelier, you can get your property listed on Tribble. You can only be connected to it via an OTA. Right. Because they don't want to sell direct. Right. They probably are lazy and don't have the wherewithal to build that kind of infrastructure. It's really easy to resell inventory from booking.com or Expedia really easy to do that there are there are plugins in WordPress you can slap that together really mm -hmm. really quickly this person's just added an extra layer on top with the affiliate marketing to try to get people to promote it so they can be lazier and don't have mm -hmm. to do it themselves yeah but to, to answer Chris's question there's not really nothing that can happen you, nothing you can do from a property perspective <laughs> to to make this work for you from our perspective yeah, yeah no there's silly. no leverage there I, I, you know don't be on OTAs. You won't be on this platform, you know? That, well, yeah, there's no advice really here other than... We can all blame Chris for all the retargeting we're probably going to get for the site now. Oh, because we've all been there, so probably. we'll all get a bunch of... Design. But I don't know. This this person, I bet they're not doing retargeting because they're trying to rely on influencers or people, regular people, to promote it for them. Chris has no an awesome budget. title, though. He's the chief unconventionalist. Wow. Which is a pretty cool... For what company? Give him a shout out. Does it say? Uh, it does. Uh, he actually has a travel blog. Okay. And so so he would be the perfect person to use travelrule.com, right? Go write a bunch of articles, link to your travel affiliate link, and you'll make some, some money. But from whom, I don't know. Yep. His, uh, his site is The Unconventional Route. Okay. 
or root. If That's you why will. he's the unconventional. So Pete, what if I want to sell your honey? Could I use an affiliate link to get a little piece of the action? Are we are we doing the buzz? Uh, are we, we going to do uh, the buzz update again? Yeah, it's not much is happening on the bee front because it's winter. But don't worry, spring's coming around, and we'll be able to have more more news. I know, I'm getting to that. Okay, I have a very laid out stop interrupting plan for my bee update. I've been working on it all week. No, the only problem we've had with our our bees is my youngest daughter, who's eight has been telling her teachers about it and her teachers are now asking for honey and my daughter's actively giving away little jars of honey that we don't have. So your daughter's your affiliate marketer. She yeah. is. Yeah. So, but I, I don't pay those commissions. And you don't get paid. No, for, I don't have any commissions to pay. We don't have like one jar of honey terrible affiliate left. program. You yeah. need to rethink your affiliate marketing stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're not very successful. So yeah, so we need to sit down and tell oh, her. So you've got no product right now. Well, you know, it's a lot like a sales, she's a lot like a salesperson. You know, right. She's not worrying about the inventory that we actually have to sell. She's just trying right. to get the sale. Right. Yeah. I see a problem in your supply chain though right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, being that it's <laughs> being non-existent. That it's non-existent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's the B update. I have I have a question for the audience. Okay. What kind of vitamin do you get from Canadian maple syrup? I could guess. Vitamin A? <laughs> was that your guess? That was my guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Really bad. All right, so I think I think we've finished our episode for today, guys. So we, do we would not lo- want to do another hotel your wish list item. Yeah, let's do that then. Seeing as we're so organized, read one, Melissa. Let's do it. Okay, this is from our friend Bob. Yeah, Bob Applewhite. Yes, his wish is the following: in an effort to radically improve conversion, it should be mandatory that all visitors to a hotel must book immediately. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Site abandonment will not be allowed for any reason, including but not limited to rate shopping, amenity comparison, reading TripAdvisor reviews, or other such time-wasting nonsense. I the like only, the cut of his jib. The only allowable exception will be in the case of a property that is 100% occupied, at which time the site visitor will be required to book the next available dates, regardless of their preference, personal needs, or vacation schedule. Thus, <laughs> maintaining the perfect 100% conversion rate. Can Fuel come up with something like this? <laughs> I, Bob is straight to the point. He Would, is. Wouldn't that be a phenomenal situation where people just have to book? Be like a communist China or something. Yes. Like the, we're forcing them to do stuff. Mm. It's an interesting wish list item. Was that his legitimate wish? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, well, wow. she it, didn't read the very last part. LOL. LOL. <laughs> ah, <laughs> he got us. <laughs> Teehee, I guess he was kidding. <laughs> Teehee. Teehee. That's funny. No. Uh, so is there any dialogue or conversation related to that? That would be great if people couldn't leave our site. But then what would be the fun in that? Why would you need people like Fuel Travel who takeaway, have amazing booking engines to get you to convert? The takeaway could be that you should do everything you can to try to get to a 100% conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're close. It's the journey, not the destination. We're above 1%. Mm. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> you never heard that? It's the journey, not the destination? Yeah, but I don't know how it applies. If you're trying to get to 100% conversion rate, mm. but you only get to the 50% journey. conversion rate, but, hey. Well, to be fair, if everyone's website converted 100%, we wouldn't have jobs. So, That's true. And we wouldn't do this podcast. And so everyone listening at home would be sans Whatever, I'm podcast. wine drunk on a beach at this point. <laughs> this is a virtual beach, yeah. not a real one. 
Yeah. How about like, was it Ed McMahon that said, keep your feet on the ground and keep, keep reaching, reaching for, for the, the stars. stars? No, that was Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem said that. Oh, wait. I mean, they're the same people. Pro- yeah. Pretty much the same person. Can you go on a virtual vacation and have virtual drinks and then get virtual beer goggles? <laughs> yeah, it just makes it blurry. <laughs> yeah. I like it. You like, you try to walk and it's like, oh. They could do that. They could check your blood alcohol level automatically with your Apple Watch. That'd be the right? worst then... story of how I got put in jail. <laughs> virtual. I was virtually I drunk. Oh, what's that show where it's like, oh, Locked Up Abroad? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's an app for that. On That's your a Apple show, user. really? Locked up oh, abroad? it's so good. Like wow. people like go abroad and they do, even if it's something, like some people are like, oh, I was trafficking cocaine. Like you should probably go to jail. But some people it's like something very minor. Like chewing it's gum like, in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I can't remember what channel it comes on, but it's good. Okay. Well, for TV tips, hotel marketing tips, mm-hmm. you know where to find us. We're at uh, Fuel Travel on Twitter. And you can email us at info at fueltravel.com. We would love for you to fill out a survey. We're going to be closing um, entries for our technology study uh, survey next Friday. So Friday the 16th of February. So please, if you have not filled that out yet, we'd love to get your input. You can get that at fueltravel.com slash tech. So that's slash T-E-C-H, fueltravel.com slash tech. Uh, email us, info at fueltravel.com. On Twitter, at fueltravel. Pete, where can they get you on Twitter? They can get me at P DeMaio, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Melissa. I'm at M-A Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Misha. I'm so glad I didn't use my last name in my Twitter handle. <laughs> You can B O C C Uh yeah, you can find me at Marketing Misha. That is at marketing M E I S H A. You can find me at Stuart Butler on Twitter. Uh you can get the show notes to today's show if you so choose at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on the best number ever, episode seventy seven. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Chiggity, check me out. I'm about to make like a baby and go head first out. I don't know. That was a good joke and I ruined it. (laughs) Oh, it's supposed to be. I'm about to make like a baby and head out. (laughs) (laughs) I tried.